Welcome to No More, Risk Better, a Credit Sites podcast. I'm Winnie Caesar, the Global Head of Strategy. And I'm Zach Griffiths, the Credit Sites Senior Investment Grade Strategist. As strategists, we aim to make sense of the macro and the micro, highlighting opportunities and the risks facing the fixed income markets. As important as the macro call may be, we understand that credit investing at its core comes down to keen single name selection, and we at Credit Sites benefit from the expertise of our team of over 100 analysts across the US, Europe, and Asia. This podcast offers a look at the conversations that we have with our analysts on a regular basis. If you are an investment professional focused on the wide universe of fixed income, you'll want to give this podcast a listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Credit Sites podcast. My name is Winnie Caesar. I'm the global head of strategy here. And today I am so excited to talk to two of our European telco analysts. We have Eric Vega, who's our senior analyst covering U.S. communications infrastructure and European investment grade telecom, and also Alex Lawrence, who's an European TMT analyst. We're going to focus on the Euro IG telco market today talking about all of the different moving pieces in what is a relatively large sector. So let's jump right into it. Alex, I'm going to go to you first for our opener or icebreaker question. If you could have a sneak peek at any piece of economic credit market or sector-specific data for the rest of the year, what would you be looking for and why? Yeah, thanks, Winnie. So I'd say people generally view telco as a pretty resilient sector, despite the kind of macro backdrop and conditions. However, for us, I think what be a really interesting data point is the inflation rate, especially going forward. For the telcos, inflation impacts both the revenue and the cost side of the business. And increasingly, we've seen use of kind of inflation escalators within customer contracts. Unfortunately for us in the UK, we've got inflation escalators of CPI plus 37 to 3.9%, which are annual increases uh, for the majority of operators, um, which is kind of not ideal for the UK consumer but positives for the operators. While in other markets, you don't have as explicit a link in terms of inflation and kind of increasing contractual rises. So countries like France and Belgium, they're more discretionary increases, but they're still kind of dependent on the magnitude of inflation. So that's definitely on the revenue side, the inflation rate for this year will have big implications in terms of 2024 price increases for operators, which is definitely out of what operators are trying to do after many years of pretty stagnant revenue growth. And then on the other side, on the cost side, really telco sensitivities to inflation hinge on labor and energy costs, especially for the IG telcos, which have more energy and labor intensive business models than for our high yield universe. So that's definitely a key point to watch in terms of how telcos can manage that, that cost inflation. And I think finally. The extent to which inflation is persistent will be pretty key to watch for the European telcos. We're currently, so far, has been a relatively short period of high inflation, which is pretty positive for the operators who can benefit from these inflation escalators and price increases, while the impact of their cost base has been seen, but it's not kind of existential to the business model. I think if you see continued long-term inflation, that's where it gets a bit more worrying, where you have potential for those price increases to be less well received by consumers in the market. You get regulators taking a look at it and you potentially see some operators kind of breaking away from that contractual price increase to gain market share. 
So I think that would be the key thing to watch how persistent inflation is for the operators. Everyone watching how persistent inflation is. And we just had the most recent CPI data for the UK, which showed a pretty significant uptick in communications pricing on the month. That was one thing that kind of jumped out at me. So your comments make a lot of sense in terms of those escalators and kind of linked to numbers. And we on the credit site strategy team have been calling for inflation to be a bit stickier and more of a problem in the UK and Eurozone because of just some structural differences in the economy. So it'll be interesting to see if central banks can, you know, continue to get inflation under control so far. It seems like a little bit of a a mixed bag overall. So let's jump into sector recommendations. How are you positioned? What are you telling clients in terms of recommendations at the sector level for Euro IG Telco? Yeah, that's a great question. Late last year, we shifted our recommendation to market perform from outperform, advising investors to take profits essentially after a good run. And that is a recommendation that we have maintained through the first half of this year. And we feel comfortable maintaining through the back half as well. Late last year, we moved to take profits and made that shift after the safe haven bet essentially worked well for the duration of the year. Competitive dynamics in most markets had turned more benign than they had been for a long time. Coming into this year, it was our belief that there would be few changes to financial policies with most balance sheets either on a flat or delivering trajectory. While pricing power has largely remained on the side of the telcos, as Alex just described, We're keeping in mind that inflation could eventually turn from a pricing tailwind to more of a cost headwind. And our rec has played out accurately to date. Looking at IG Telecom, year-to-date total return has been 1.8%, just about in line with a broad Euro IG index at 1.7%. And a similar thing can be said about excess returns. And ultimately, we think that the rationale is driven by the defensive nature of this sector, which has demonstrated its ability to navigate the inflationary environment well. So we remain fairly neutral as spreads have moved increasingly tighter this year. And we see the majority of operators in Europe continue to be satisfied with the current status quo in most markets reflected in positive ARPU trends and and relative stability across customer bases. Nice. A solid market perform recommendation, which is also how we are positioned for Euro IG as a whole with a kind of market weight allocation that compares to the U.S. where we are overweight, just given a a different mix of expectations on the central bank and and broader economic standpoint. I know in the U.S. telco markets, the new issue market has been a major driver of performance. We have so many very large issuers that have just constantly accessed the capital markets. How does new issue activity influence your view for the European telecom space? Looking at The European IG Telecom companies in our coverage universe, liquidity profiles look quite solid right now with sufficient cash and undrawn revolvers to cover maturities, at least through 2025, in some cases through 2027. So no one's really strapped for cash. However, uh, we are keeping an eye on hybrids with upcoming call dates and companies with elevated CapEx plans that will require funding potentially. So turning first to to hybrids, there's very little extension risk being priced in at the moment. While we do not expect European telcos to be the first movers and extending hybrids, we're not seeing much of any extension risk being priced in at the moment. So we would highlight that the impact of extension would be rather severe if it ultimately were to occur. We shifted our overall recommendation on high yield hybrids to underperform relative to TMT high yield, bearing this in mind earlier in the year. The question of extension risk has become topical as the estimated refinancing rate 
for hybrids callable in 2023 and 24 has risen above the reset coupons for these securities. So economically, it would make sense to let the hybrids extend beyond the first call date. However, we mar the market would ultimately penalize the first movers who decide to buck the trend. And lastly, letting these hybrids extend would result in them losing their equity credit from the point of view of the rating agencies. So, so far on the part of the companies in our sector, behavior has been business as usual, essentially, with companies continuing to refinance hybrids at their first call dates with new issues. We believe that this will continue to be the case as evidenced by KPN having called their USD hybrids earlier this year, Telefonica, which reopened the hybrid market with new issues early in the year, and most recently Vodafone, which issued two new hybrid securities this week with proceeds earmarked to refinance their existing ones. So with all of that in mind, the next potential hybrid calls to look out for would be for 2023, Telefonica, which has 360 million principal due, and Vodafone, which has 1.7 billion. In 2024, Telefonica has 1.6 billion, KPN has 500 million, Orange 200, and Vodafone have 1.3 billion coming due. So those are some of the upcoming potential liquidity needs that these companies will, will need to satisfy. But then turning to other funding needs, CapEx has been elevated the past few years as telecoms invest to deploy 5G in their markets and to roll out fiber. A heavy investment in fiber to the home remains a key focus across most markets, and this could keep new issuance elevated above maturities at some of these companies. Orange and Telefonica are moving beyond peak capex, as a matter of fact, as fiber coverage has reached the mature stage in their key markets, Spain and France. Uh, Telefonica is looking to sunset their copper network in Spain next year, and capital intensity is guided to fall to 14%. In contrast, BT Group is still accelerating the annual rate of fiber deployments, and we expect them to reach a peak build rate of 4 million homes per year, approximately double last year's pace and keeping capital intensity needs elevated. We also see KPN and Deutsche Telekom keeping up the elevated rate of capital investments. However, we also expect these companies to generate sufficient free cash flow to cover shareholder remuneration, putting a dampening effect on, on the amount of finance that they may seek. The hybrid conversation is so interesting when you kind of think about the game theory that management teams have to go through in terms of the reputational risk of not calling and refining versus extension and kind of the economic opportunity. It will be very interesting to see how things unfold. And I think that given borrowing has gotten a bit trickier and access to capital not quite as certain as it had been for the past few years, I would hope that most management teams are very focused on preserving kind of the relationships with their existing bondholders. So with a market perform recommendation, what keeps you up at night when you think about IG Telco? What are some of the kind of obvious or less obvious risks? What could go right or wrong? What are the things that are spinning in your brains on a regular basis? So across Europe, on the telco side, I think a little worry for us is an intensification of that risk of price war. Really, you look back historically, European telcos have been a really brutal place to operate. You had very limited kind of revenue and even at growth because despite the structural tailwinds of massively increased internet, mobile and data use, across Europe and just in the world generally, operators really weren't able to seize on that to any meaningful extent, essentially because they'd just been competing away these structural tailwinds in a scrap for market share. So it was kind of a race to the bottom on pricing and kind of 
driving the ads at all costs, which didn't end up being a positive outcome for many players at all. So at the minute, we're a lot more benign on most European markets. We've been notable exception of Italy, which is still a very tough place to operate for everyone apart from Iliad. But you've generally had this kind of rising tide lift all boat kind of opportunity since 2020-ish, where operators have kind of moved in lockstep to increase the pricing, as I said earlier. So you kind of get that big boost to arteries, which to us seems fairly sustainable for now, as long as everyone is kind of keeps singing off, with, off the same hymn sheet. But there's a real risk that someone moves out of place and you kind of get back to that strap for market share at the expense of everything else. So that's really one of the key concerns in the space that we're worried about. Uh, the other area I would say is on the cost inflation side, energy, labor, as I said earlier, and to some extent, the rollout costs associated with fiber and the kind of equipment costs associated with that. So far, we've seen fairly muted on the, on the latter, on the equipment side. But that could be kind of something to something key to watch in the future. Yeah, great stuff. I, we're definitely seeing with other sectors as well, that kind of lockstep trying to push through pricing, defend margins, expand margins in this kind of inflationary cost environment. And it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts, because that's also one thing that could kind of pull us into a dagflation type scenario. Eric, do you want to jump in on the labor side of things a bit? Yes. So as, as Alex mentioned, personnel costs have risen. They continue to rise as companies have signed collective bargaining agreements with unions to raise wages. So just to name a few examples, Telefonica is seeing personnel costs increase by 6% on average this year. BT Group also put in place a 15% increase to approximately 85% of the workforce. So... As we've noted, this is a particular concern for the national incumbents, which are by and large the IG companies in our coverage universe due to their large legacy workforces and the infrastructure intensive nature of the business. So at one end of the extreme are BT Group and Orange, where personnel expenses amount to 20 to 23% as a percent of sales, and which is quite significant. In contrast, for the average challenger like Iliad, labor costs are less than 10% of sales. So with all of these increases to salaries, putting pressure on costs, it's not surprising to see companies pursuing workforce rationalization as a way to mitigate the negative impact on margins, especially as new technological innovation can improve productivity. Some of the headlines that we saw in the past two weeks reflect this. Vodafone planning to reduce headcount by 11,000 employees by 2026, and BT Group moving forward with plans to reduce their workforce by 55,000 at the upper end by 2030. This is actually just a slight acceleration from the pace at which these companies have already been working to reduce the labor burden. If we were to average out the annual rate of attrition, the pace of headcount reduction is approximately 4% at Vodafone, 5% at BT Group, which is slightly ahead of the average pace of headcount reduction that's been displayed by their IG peers broadly over the past two years where we've observed an average pace between three and 4% of annual headcount reduction. So certainly personnel expenses is something that um, we're keeping in the back of our minds and monitoring closely. And there's one additional topic that's been top of mind that I think is worth highlighting besides just workforce rationalization headlines. We've been thinking about some of the concentrated shareholder stakes that have been built up at companies like Vodafone and BT Group seeing the potential for elevated 
shareholder activism. At Vodafone, three stakeholders own a combined 22% of the company, one of which E&D was just awarded a board seat after increasing their stake to 15%. At British Telecom, Patrick Drahi's Altice recently increased their stake in the company to 25%. Ultimately, at these two companies with major concentrated shareholders, we don't think that these investors are going to remain passively just along for the ride forever. We have seen Vodafone's key investor increase their influence, and over time, we are likely to see Drahi seek more influence with regards to BT Group. So we think that shareholders have reacted opportunistically. The equity price has, has gotten beaten up over the past 12 months at these two companies, but ultimately the way they seek to earn a return on their investment may differ. Uh, we estimated that Vodafone is undervalued using a sum of the parts methodology. So it would make sense to push for some form of asset monetization through the investors. In the past, E&D has been reported to be interested in a deal involving Vodacom, which is Vodafone's African subsidiary, uh, and they could potentially make a stronger case for a bid for this asset, given now their already sizable stake in Vodafone. For BT, we think that it makes the most sense to benefit passively from ownership, at least in the near to medium term. Uh, Drahi has previously commented on his view that BT is undervalued. A buyout would not be rolled out today, but we think that Drahi likely doesn't have sufficient flexibility to pursue this on his own right now, given the liquidity needs of broader Altis. And then there's also the issue of BT's pension scheme, which adds a further complication to any large corporate action. There's a lot going on. So if you are a telecom employee, you may get a pay raise, but you also may lose your job. Seems to be the big takeaway on the labor side of things. And I know we've seen a lot of the kind of activist investor activity ramp up over the past few months across the board. In fact, we just put out a report on that. We do that routine monitor of activist investor activity. So Eric, you already spoke to a few names, but let's talk trade ideas. Where are you telling clients in terms of picks and pans and perhaps a carry trade? Our top picks here are Vodafone and BT Group, two companies where the equity story has suffered a bit, but where both companies have and continue to improve their balance sheet. Vodafone has materially de-risked following some steps taken by the company to monetize their infrastructure assets after the stake sale of Banish Towers. This is still a company in flux. They have a new CEO, although one who has been with Vodafone for over 20 years, but they have a strong balance sheet with sufficient means to help them withstand this transitional period in our view. The company has realized some of the catalysts to strengthen their credit position already, including bringing net leverage back down to the low end of their target range of two and a half times, but with enough liquidity to cover maturities through 2026. So they are now in a position to see a potential positive rating action at S&P, which has them on positive outlook. We believe the credit still has some room to run, but would emphasize the importance of positioning under the current environments. With so much cash on the balance sheet, we think there's a good chance that the company will seek liability management with an eye towards some of the low dollar price notes where they could potentially capture a good discount on offer. Longer term, there are questions around their ability to execute on their turnaround plan, and we see their reset of expectations lower as part of this strategy, which they can hopefully meet and grow from there. Regarding BT, British Telecom, we are also constructive on this credit. This company is trading at spread levels well wide of peers. However, the company is also doing a good job of navigating the current inflationary environment 
successfully passing through higher pricing to customers, managing costs well, accelerating their fiber build out, and reducing the pension deficit, which has long weighed on the credit. Uh, we expect all of these factors to be reflected in tighter valuations over time. One important date to keep an eye out for will be the next triannual pension valuation. The last one was completed in 2020. They're due for another one this year. BT also has passed a little over 10 million homes with fiber. They plan to reach 25 million households by the end of 2026. And to do that, they're going to need to accelerate their build rate per quarter to 1 million, which ultimately means more CapEx. But they're technically getting a helping hand from the UK government, which extended the capital allowance for qualifying CapEx until 2026. A BT's fiber rollout is going to reach maturity. Awesome. Do you have any plans you want to talk about? Ultimately, we expect the rest of the IG peers in our coverage universe to continue to trade within a narrow band, again, keeping in mind the rational competitive dynamics across most markets and stable balance sheets. All right. So generally constructive. Sounds like a, a good carry sector in general. So let's transition to kind of closing remarks. And this is our words of wisdom from management teams. I really always like to hear what our analysts have to say. So if you have any words of advice for IG Telco management teams trying to navigate this very interesting economic and market environment, what would you tell them? Yeah, I think in the words of Megan Trainer, it's all about base. And what I mean by that is don't strap to the marginal market share, i.e. taking shares from competitors and focusing on the ads quarter to quarter, and instead be disciplined on the pricing of the existing base and kind of have it's trending in the right direction, which is very creative, but either do, especially you're not spending so much on kind of subscriber acquisition costs, and instead you can focus on retaining the existing base for a much lower cost and steadily increasing the pricing for them, which is extremely accretive for the telco business model. And this really works as long as no one in the market massively deviates from that strategy. So I think there's obviously a lot of game theory involved in this, but if no one kind of breaks, then you're looking in a, in a very strong position and you can kind of fund those fiber rollouts in a much more effective manner if you've got a supportive competitive environment. I always love and appreciate a pop culture reference on Credit Sites podcast. So thank you much for that, Alex. My daughter is very into the Megan Trainer Better When I'm Dancing song right now. So, you know, investors, if you're having a hard time in this market, you might feel better when you're dancing. Another word of wisdom from Megan Trainer. Eric, Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. Everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. If you have any questions or follow-up for any of us, you can always use that Ask an Analyst function on the Credit Sites website. And we hope you enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Winnie. Credit Sites Disclaimer. All price references correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, or reproduced in whole or in part. Neither credit sites nor its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information contained in this podcast. Credit sites is not providing investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, is not providing research or making any recommendations, nor is credit sites offering or soliciting any transaction with respect to the purchase or sale of any security. The receipt by this listener of this podcast is not the giving of advice by credit sites or its affiliates.